Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So last week, just to catch some of you up, um, you could put the bean scene graphic up there for me. I attempted to paint a picture of the human condition. And it's not a really beautiful picture. Our history shows us that the world will chew us up and spit us out. And people will do what they can to get ahead, won't they? Including us in the right circumstances, if we're honest with ourselves. People will lie, people will cheat, people will steal. I remember a friend of mine, we grew up in a really small town, and um, he ended up going to West Point, the type of guy you wouldn't think would go to West Point. Man, he just, man, he was awesome. Went to West Point, just is a huge, in a huge corporation, and we got to meet in Minneapolis. He was here for work, and uh, I remember he said to me, he said, where we grew up doesn't exist. And I said, um, I, don't, I don't understand. He said, it's fake. It's fake. Where we grew up doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I think it does. I mean, we both have a history here, you know. And he said, my experience in the world shows me that everyone will just use you, step on you to get ahead. And my upbringing almost feels like it didn't happen. It feels fake. This, this is the world, and, and like I said last week, if, if we look at, at Darwin's theory of survival of the fittest, we should actually celebrate people groups that decimate a weaker one. That's a, the actual logic. That, that is how this should work. That we should revel in the fact that the strong beat the weak. That means that the weak will not produce anymore, that the strong will, that they will be the ones that move forward our society. And if that is offensive to you, it should be. It should be. This, this is not my idea. This is and will be the end result in a godless society. Abortions will increase. Euthanasia will become increasingly more acceptable, even heroic. Suicides will continue, continue to rise because there is no hope in darkness. There's no hope when there's no future. Christians know that there is a future. Christians know that there is something beyond death. We just sang about it. Lawlessness and wickedness will be called good. I can't imagine that happening. Can you? That was sarcasm, in case some of you don't like sarcasm. The only reason that it is not the case as far as it could be in America right now is because of the foundation of a Judeo-Christian society, a foundation. For numbers of years, we have seen the shift in our culture changing from the foundation of people looking at Scripture and looking at this as a way of living that God has given us, and it has been changing to a godless society. So what happens with that? Well, it doesn't just stop. It's not just cold turkey, this culture is trying to bring the fruit of the spirit of Christianity without the spirit of God. Does that make sense? We are trying to 
bring the fruit of the Spirit without the Spirit of God. And that is an impossibility that will only last for a short time. The point of last week was the reason that we see others is because God saw us first. In 1 John, he says, we love because he first loved us. We respond with love because God first loved us. We pray for others because you know what? It says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. Because he prays for you, we pray for others. We show mercy to others because God showed mercy to us. We are kind because his kindness leaded us to repentance. We are patient with others because God is what? Patient with us. We are people of peace because there is peace in the Almighty. We are people of joy because Christ, in Christ, is the fullness of joy. We are merciful and we are full of goodness because God is merciful and full of goodness. We are gentle, and the psalmist says we're gentle because God was gentle towards us. Our core scripture, which we should have for you, 1 Corinthians 16, 7, we've been talking about being seen. Now, Paul, this is at the end of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, and he says something that I want us to just hear and be able to get into us. He said, for I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. We have this tendency of having very superficial relationships, just passing by one another. And this is one of the reasons why I talk about life groups, because we will not get in-depth relationships from a Sunday morning. And the same thing goes with our relationship with Christ. It doesn't happen at just one service. I do not want to see you now just in passing. I want to spend time with you. This needs to be our posture as a church. Now, I know you can't spend time with everyone. I can't either. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I remember our, our youth group was just growing. Things were just super good, and I was bringing in more and more leaders. And, and I looked at, at each of the youth leaders, and I said, listen, I can't connect with these kids. There's a handful I can. But you know what? When we have enough leaders in this place, different leaders connect with different people. And that's powerful, and that's ministry, and that's what needs to happen. You equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and that's what happens in a church, a healthy church with healthy leaders that understand that it is about who can you touch, who can you help meet the needs of, like somebody met for us in a wicker basket. Because God sees me, I see you. Why don't you say that with me? Because God sees me, I see you. Ephesians 1.4, during Wednesday, we have, we're doing um, a Bible study of the prison epistles that, of course, you can come to. But we read this, and I said, well, I'm adding that to the sermon this week. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. We, we read from Psalms 139 last week, before the foundations of this earth, he knew you. While you were in the womb, 
he knew you. How many hairs that were on your head, he knew you. It is not by some cosmic accident or chance. You are here on purpose for purposes to glorify the Lord. Our text today is in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles or phone or however you, uh, you do that, or if you just want to follow along, you are more than welcome to join us today. So this is a very, very popular story or parable that is told by Jesus. And just to catch you up, here in um, Luke, do you, do you have that one? Okay, hold on just a second. So what, what's happening right now is it, it says a lawyer of the law began to quiz and try to entrap Jesus. Okay, so he, he's trying to get him to fall because they want to be able to lock him up and be able to get him away from trying to draw people to him, right? The Pharisees wanted to control the Jewish people. They did not want to relinquish any control, especially to somebody like Jesus. And so he's trying to entrap him. And he says, he says, okay, Jesus, teacher, rabbi, um, how, do you, how do you get eternal life? How, how do you receive eternal life? And, and Jesus began to talk, and he says one of the most popular things that even if you're not a Christian, you know is that you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and be a neighbor or treat your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor like you love God. Now, the lawyer asks, and it sounds like an antagonist here, well, who's your neighbor? Now, this is, this is a form of debate, is defining and getting definitions. And so this is the tactic that the lawyer used. So now let's read these seven verses. In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a 17-mile um, road. And Josephus, which was an early um, historian, uh, during this time, actually writes about this 17-mile road and how dangerous that it was. So Jesus using this road at this time was very specific to the hearers. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now, before I go on any further, this is taken as a parable. Okay, so generally, as a parable, there's one central truth. Okay, that's how a parable is meant. It is not meant to be parsed out in, in, every, um, in, in every direction. Um, however, Jesus doesn't call this a parable. And so it is very, very possible that this story actually happened. Now, we know that Jesus told in parables, he made things up to be able to talk about the character of the Father, the identity of God. But in this case, we don't know. We don't know. Verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. Now, a Levite was in the priesthood of the 12 tribes, that this was what God ordained as the priesthood um, family. And so, a Levite would have been the assistant or people that helped the works of the priests. So he would be considered holy by just saying the word Levite. He came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side, just like his boss would have. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, now remember, we talked about this before many times, the Samaritan is the arch enemy of the Jews. They're half Jews. They're, they, they are not full Jews. 
As he traveled, he came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him into an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. Now, Maybe he was being an antagonist, but I'm really grateful that he asked that question. Why? Think of it for a second. For the last 2,000 years, don't you think people would have been trying to define who our neighbor really is if Jesus didn't have to explain it? Well, they're not our neighbor. They can't be. And so without that question, I mean, just think. Maybe we would have treated the rich different than the poor. Good thing we know better, right? We could have maybe treated people with different skin colors differently. But good thing Jesus tells us who our neighbors are, right? Maybe we could have treated people who are legal different than those who are illegal. Well, good thing we know who our neighbor is, right? Maybe... We would treat men different than women. Good thing we know who our neighbor is, right? Even with, even with Jesus telling us over the last 2,000 years who our neighbor is, we still struggle with this. The shame that, that, that was brought to the Jewish leaders when he used the Samaritan, the example of their enemy being more righteous than them, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. Now, you know, we we don't really think in terms of a first century person that knew war and lived war every year of their life and who's going to battle and what's going to happen. And so they had a lot more, they used the word enemies a lot more. Like, how many of you talk about your arch enemy? Probably not too many of you, right? But it's kind of fun having one. I don't know. Anyway... (laughs) Just think, if, if, you, if you define somebody as your enemy right now, and you had to admit that they were more righteous than you, how would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? So my question to you, and it's a question that Jesus asked us, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Out of, out of this teaching, I pulled out four very practical things that I think that we will be able to f- reflect on our own, and I think it's going to push us a little bit. And this is four things that Jesus told in this story that I think will be very practical for us to think of. What is standing in our way to be a good Samaritan to others? All right, let's go. Number one. All right, next one. Bound up his wounds. Number one, 
He bound up his wounds, okay? Number two, he gave the victim his transportation. This was his ride. He put the man on his ride. It's probably like a BMW, you know, something super sweet. Went above and beyond. This is what the Good Samaritan did. And one more. Finished what he started. Okay, so now let's talk. So this, this kind of encompasses what he did, right? Four things. Now let's look at how this looks for us. Bound up his wounds. Time. He stopped in his busy day. He stopped on a road that he knew was dangerous. I, I remember a, a pastor one time saying, do you know how you spell love? T. I-M-E. When you're willing to give up your time, your precious commodity that we know we have a limited resource for, he stopped, he took the time, and he bound up a stranger's wounds. Number two, he gave the victim his transportation Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I love comfort. Oh, I love it. I love my reading chair. Anybody have a reading chair? I didn't have one for so long, and I have one now, and I love it. I love it. Don't take my reading chair away. If you're at my house in the morning and I'm having my coffee, guess what I'm going to say? Sorry, that seat's made for me. Okay, I wouldn't do that, but I would be thinking it. Man, I love comfort. Not only did he take the time, not only did he bind his wounds, not only was he willing to get dirty and get into the dirt, he put him on his BMW, okay, his donkey, and he let him take that. Number three, went above and beyond. That's what mercy does. That's what mercy is. Mercy is when somebody doesn't earn something, when they don't deserve something, and you give it anyway. That, that's, like, that's like the icing on the cake. You got a cake, you're happy. You get the icing, and you're like, all right, I'm ready now. Mercy. Lastly, he finished what he started, and he did that by digging deep. Where's your money going, friends? Where's your money going? That reflects where our hearts are. Doesn't it? You know it. I know it. I remember a pastor saying that once when I was young. And he said, if I looked, and this is, okay, I know a lot of you young people, you don't have checkbooks. You don't even know what that is. He said, look in your checkbook. Start reading the next couple pages. What does it tell you about yourself? Go to your online. Start reading down. What does it tell you about yourself? Bound up his wounds. He gave his time. Gave up his transportation. He gave up his comfort. Went above and beyond. He showed mercy. And he finished what he started. And he continued to supply Martin Luther King talks about this, and he says, the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, 
If I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But, the Good Samaritan reversed this question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? What will happen to him? See, see what happens there? It's not about us anymore. This isn't about us. It's not about how comfortable we are. It's not about our time. Right? Time, comfort, money. Now the real question is, who actually lost out here? Not the Good Samaritan. What about the priest and the Levite? What did they lose out from? They lost out from becoming better men. God had more for them, and they chose self. Men, we can be better. All right? Men, me too. We can be better. Say amen, men. We can be better. See, ladies, I got it, got it out of them. You heard it. God provided an opportunity of stewardship in a tragedy, and they blew a blessing. Have you ever blown a blessing before? Man, it stinks. Man, I've known there, I remember a time when I was, I just knew, I knew it that, that I was supposed to pray for this lady. I knew it. And I was a coward, and I didn't do it in that moment. And I even stopped. And I was like, oh, no, what? what? You know, and I had this, like, just moment where I knew that I blew it. And I, I, it just, it haunted me. And I said, Lord, and the Lord wasn't shaming me. He was, no, I, I missed out. I missed out. And I said, Lord, I pray that there is somebody, another Christian, that hears your voice in this moment and isn't a coward like I was. And give them that blessing, Lord. Let's not lose out on a blessing that the Lord has for us. They chose the easy path in strength training. You need resistance. Some of us need some resistance, friends. Some of you are saying, I don't need any more resistance. Amen to that. Okay, I get it. I get it, right? <laughs> Maybe this wasn't the right time to talk about that. But anyway, number four. Lastly, how, how many people have been blessed because of what the actions were of a good Samaritan 2,000 years ago. He changed the world. People heard this story and said, I am going to change my life. I am going to be like the good Samaritan. I'm not going to be like those guys. Obedience in a simple act can literally change the world. We had a family here who went above and beyond and blessed somebody, like somebody in, in desperate need. And the person who, who did the blessing, nobody knows. The person who received the blessing has no idea. And this person said, I grew up in a home where my parents had divorced and I saw a man come and take care of my mom when she had nothing. And here he is now, a grown man. And the Lord spoke to him, and with joy, his family blessed somebody else. Obedience 
can change the world and change the life of someone else. Now, as, as we end here, and just if you can have that video ready in a minute, not everybody is going to look broken, beat up, and bruised. And matter of fact, um, when I was in college, I took some extra classes, and I took an EMT class. And I remember our paramedic professor said, a lot of times the loudest one is not the one that needs the help. It's the quiet one that's suffering in silence. Friends, a couple people in this church can't do that. That's us. That's what we do. This is what happens in relationships. I was probably 14, 15 at the time, and I'm from North Dakota, barren lands. We have to be creative to have fun. I want to let you know that some things are way more illegal now than they were then. I just want to say that. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. But anyway, we, we had, because it's so flat, we have a lot of ditches, okay? They have to build up the roads, and it helps with water flow, and especially in the wintertime, we get so much snow up there. And so we were... We had a leader, or one of the, I mean, okay, we're in North Dakota, right? It's just parents, right? Parents are taking care of the youth. And, and uh, one of the parents was driving a snowmobile, and we had an inner tube on back. Travis and I were hanging on for dear life on, and he, we were just going on the road. Things were going well. And all of a sudden, the weight shifted in this big tractor inner tube, and it started shooting down um, the, the side there. And right at, at the bottom, and, and those of you who are like boating, and, and if you've been on a snowmobile and inner tube, you know that once you start going, it's, there's no stopping. And we were stuck. There was no, the, the speed was so high, there was no way that we could get off. And I looked down, and it was a cow fence. And it wasn't just one strip. It was five barbed-wired pieces, and they were, and in that moment, I thought, I can't fit through that. And it was, I mean, my life flashed before my eyes, and somehow we made it through. The fence was all tangled up. I had barbed wire all through my head, my back, my shoulders. I had barbed, it was so cool in school. I was like, I may as well have my shirt off to say, look at my barbed wire. And I'm pretty sure that's how those tattoos got popular. It's true. You're welcome. Unfortunately, it went away, so I have nothing to show for it. But as we were on that side of the fence, I mean, I, I was loud. I was crying. I was, I mean, I, I'm like, look, you know when you look and you're like, are my limbs here? And I could not believe it. And there was Travis People are coming to me because I was the one making the noise. And there was Travis. Now, the thing about Travis, in, in our, you know when you know a name? In, in a, if you know, like, a lot of times when you know a name, you know the family. Their family, they're huge. They're like the toughest guys ever. We used to wrestle. I beat him for a while. 
And then after that, he would just, boom. I mean, this is a tough dude, right? Tough, tough dude. Travis, if you're watching, I still think you're super tough. I've seen you. And he was sitting there in silence. And I just remember as the chaos began to slow down, his neck just began to swell and swell because he hit the post. Now, we made it through, right? We made it. However, the real need wasn't me. The real need was Travis at that moment. Just because somebody's making a lot of noise doesn't mean that that's actually where the most and the greatest need is. And that's why we need the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And some of you who, you know what, you've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm saying this with, with all respect, please understand me. If you're the one that's constantly making the noise and you're a mature believer and you've been following the Lord for a long time, it's time to grow up. Right? I, I'm not meaning this in a harsh way. I'm just meaning it. it, it Jesus says some of you should be teachers by now. Right? Let's, let's rise up. Let, let's be the people that get off of self and look towards other needs. And right now, that's what we get to do. So would you go ahead and play that video? So hey, everybody. I'm uh, Jeremy, and this is Vanessa. And we have two kids, Silas and Lila. Well, three kids, Ezra, uh, on the way from South Korea. Um, we're going to talk to you a little bit about our, our journey, how we kind of decided to adopt and um, where God has taken us. I wanted to adopt personally because it was part of my family. My um, brother and sister adopted, and so I wanted to just, I, I don't even know if it, I just saw that my parents do that in such a, I mean, like, that's such a selfless thing to do, right? To take somebody in as your own. Especially, like, they could have children of their own. You know, they didn't have any problems with having kids. Um, but they wanted to give two kids a great chance at life here in the U.S. and to, like, a loving Christian um, family home. And I know that we could do, we can do the same thing. We're fully able, right? So about a couple years ago, we decided to um, take things a little bit more, like, we were talking about it more because Lila was two years old. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I felt like an urgency that I had never felt before. Um, it was almost like God was telling me, like, your baby's going to be born. I don't know. It was just weird. So I kind of rushed home, and I said, Jeremy, we have to, like, we have to send in the application now. And that was right before Christmas, like, two years ago. So that's when we sent in the application. And then he was actually born that month after, um, in January. January 22nd. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, we were just matched this last March with a little boy named Yedam. Um, he'll be Ezra Yedam um, when he comes here. Uh, so right now, um, we're just basically in the waiting period. Um, and I think our challenge to a lot of people, because a lot of, especially people in the church, they always talk about how they they want to foster or they want to adopt. Um, my, it's. I, it's something that if like God has put I mean, God has put that into probably everybody like they should like help people and take care of people but um, I think if God's even put that even a small little like ask 
in you that, like, you need to do it. You need to, like... God will make a way. Yeah, he'll make mm-hmm. a way, and it's insane. And um, if you do, you'll be, you'll be blessed by, like, just... It's insane how much he's blessed us with this whole process. Um, right but, when we were... Go ahead. Like, Vanessa even lost her job uh, right before this uh, virus and everything, and uh, we were kind of just wondering what we were going to do. But God put this mattress side business in our lives, but it took off when you put more time into it, and I thought I was good at it. Then she started taking over the marketing side and sales and, sales and doing, mm-hmm. uh, so it, it really, God just provided yeah. that and provided comfort that we, we can do this. Right, because I think money is the thing that's standing in everybody's yes. way, and it's probably the dumbest reason not, it's the dumbest reason not to adopt, to say that you're not financially able, because we all know that God can provide um, that way. Um, in crazy ways and for us it was through mattresses if god would have told me like this is going to be your gear while you're going to go through this process i'd have been like no way i don't want i don't want to do that right but um he's been so kind and uh it's pretty it's just he blows my mind all the time most excited about about getting a new brother um playing with him letting him eating with me and you and get a Bible for and I have a little table for him. So, like they said, the Lord has blessed them. The Lord has blessed them, but right now because of covid the amount of time is it two months that you have to be there they have to be there for two months so they fly there instead of how you have to travel and you raise your money to do that so the expense of what they have to do is extravagant and i want us to take an offering for them okay i have um, i am excited to give into this online there's an adoption fund so if you don't want to do it today you can do it another day you can just go online it says adoption foster you give it and that's exactly going to be going right there if you have some you want to give on your way out and there's a bucket on the side you can do it but we are going to give into something that is so good and why don't you guys come on up here and if if the whole family if you guys feel comfortable you're welcome to come up as well can we just yeah give them a hand please Our church has heard me say this many, many times that I believe the closest representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ is adoption. As Christ has brought us and called us sons and daughters, when we bring somebody else and call them sons and daughters and heirs, we are replicating what Christ did for us. It's the gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you guys want to just share who's here with you and then kind of what's where, where you're at? So um, I'm Vanessa, this is my husband Jeremy, (laughs) this is Silas, our daughter Lila, this is my brother Taylor, his wife Autumn, my sister Amanda, uh, my sister Nina, and of course my mom Mary Beth, and my dad, my dad, Jim, Pastor Jim. Um, Do you want to talk? Okay. So yeah. So like when when are you going, can you give us a little bit of a timeline here? Yeah, you can. Yeah, Yeah, that's fine. 
<laughs> I've been probably telling people like a hundred times what my timeline is. Um, so right now we are, are um, so I've kind of figured out this whole process because I'm like joining all these Facebook groups and so I know a lot of moms that are in the same time period as me of like going there. So I get to have, we get to have a lot of families over there to like know and um, hopefully, you know, create long lasting relationships with. Um, but we should be getting a court date this week. Like, I found like a court hacking site. Like, I know like every little step and like our last, our, our, uh, our case went to public posting on Friday, which means that they basically sent a letter out to the birth parents. And then um, they actually, I just found out they do, they do have time where they could, you know, take him if they um, felt like they could take care of him. But that ended on Friday. So this next week we'll get a court date. That means that we will probably leave within three weeks. Oh, wow. Um, we'll have to quarantine for two weeks in the country. We get to stay in a hotel room for two weeks and we can't leave which sounds horrible. <laughs> He's worth it, but I'm just trying to, I'm a, I'm a person that like go, 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 so it's gonna be a really hard time for me, us, but it'll be fine. Um, and then we're gonna have to stay, a court, the court date will be a couple days after that once we get it, leave out of quarantine, and then Jeremy will be flying home, so I will be there for a month by myself. So, um, he, so he can go home, work, because we're not gonna be working during that time, so probably a month there in the country together, and then I'll be a month in the country by myself before we get custody of him. All right, so she needs some, maybe some cards, needing some messenger messages, and uh, wow, we're so excited. And on top of this, so if you need a mattress, they have a lot of mattresses. They will sell you to help fund this, but also, yeah. in, in the midst of all of this, Jeremy just finished his degree to be an RN as well. So... <clears throat> So why don't you please stand? I told you it was an exciting morning, okay? I mean, we're honoring Heidi and Jason and your family. We're welcoming the Petersons, and we are celebrating with the Riffles right now in the Olson family. And we are going to see the fruit. We are going to see Ezra in this place, and we are going to celebrate and look at him as a gift unto the Lord. Amen? So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the funds that come in that can help this amazing family that is following their, their, Lord, direction that you gave them. And so, Lord, as a church, we are behind them. As a church, we support them. As a church, we are praying for every one of them and their families right now. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. So before we part, would the worship team come up for one song here? And I just think ending this amazing day with just a song of worship is just the right thing. And uh, with offerings, there's a, uh, Jeremy is right back there at the door. If you have something in hand, you can drop it in the bucket or you can just go online and there's a, a foster to adopt. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.